This is episode 131 with Wells Thompson. Welcome to The Athletic Mindset. I'm your host, Corey Camp, former Division I Swimmer Forever athlete and your personal flow coach, helping you optimize your life one conversation at a time. Today's conversation will do just that as we get to know Wells Thompson, a nine-year professional soccer player. He was picked fifth in the 2007 MLS draft and is a 2010 MLS Cup champion. He's a coach, he's an entrepreneur, an ultra runner, and now founder of Soccer Resilience. His faith, relationships, and the sport of soccer have played a critical role in shaping him into the man he is today. He's passionate about helping others reach their full mental, physical, and emotional potential on and off the field, and he's doing just that with his company, Soccer Resilience, as he works with soccer programs all over the world to cultivate resilience from the inside out. We discuss a lot of mental health topics today throughout the conversation, and I know you'll walk away with a smile on your face because he's just that type of guy. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to share with you an opportunity to become a founding member of a new program, More Than Movement, I've created through Forever Athlete. The program is designed to help you reduce overwhelm professionally and personally by optimizing your body and your mind, taking you from revving your engine with little to no traction to becoming an unstoppable force of flow in your everyday life. At this point, you know the benefits of being in flow. We've talked about more productivity and more time in your life for the things that actually matter. As a founding member, you get access to this program at a one-time discounted rate and a network of other founding members as well as one-on-one coaching. Head on over to foreverathletela.com to learn more about how you can become a founding member today. And with that, Let's dive into it today with Wells. All right, Wells, I'm excited to jam out with you today, man. I don't think I've met someone with as an infectious smile as you have every single time that we pop on the screen, man. So I'm excited for that to transfer over to the energy that this conversation brings. But first and foremost, how are you feeling today? Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. My my nickname for my whole life has been Sunshine. Because when my mom used to come get me out of my crib as a little kid, I'd just be jumping up and down and smiling real big. You actually can't tell if I'm happy or mad or sad because I always have a smile on my face. So sometimes it gets me in trouble, but uh, I'm doing good, man. It's a blessing to be here and I'm excited to, to as you said, hang, man. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm sure other people not being able to read that emotion um, might have its downfall downsides in life as well <laughs> gets yeah, you in trouble yeah i think it's just how god created my face like it's just a, a permanent smile you know permagrin so there's worse you know worse problems to have right uh, yeah. <laughs> i love it i love it i want to you know obviously we connected over the mindset piece the mindset work that you're doing now but i want to backtrack a little bit and understand how you got into understanding you know, the importance of the mental side of the game in founding soccer resiliency and paying it forward to the next generation. Where did that journey begin for you? Was that in youth sport? Was it not until walking on at wake? What was, what does that look like? Well, one thing I'll tell you is I have it all figured out and uh, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, like, I need these answers then. <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> it's a uh, man. It's I'm still figuring it out. Right. Life is a journey. And uh you know, the journey is the destination, as I wrote on, on our latest LinkedIn blog, you know, and the hard part is just staying focused on that. So it's it's been a lifelong journey. I mean, I think I'm kind of one of those kids who I learned things the hard way. And, uh, you know, that that certainly has been the case with soccer resilience It's essentially turning my pain into purpose. I don't think I really focused or, or put enough emphasis on the mindset and how our minds um 
um, you know, their, their influence in our lives, um, you know, in my past life. So a lot of it for me is looking back and wishing I could go back as a pro, as a college uh, student athlete and, and, and focus more on that. Yeah, I love that idea of turning pain into purpose and using pain to fuel your passion. What stands out to you as a moment that might be a pain point that looking back now, you're like, I would do anything to solve that. Yeah, it's, um, you know, honestly, it, and it's, it's the evolution of soccer resilience, which is our mission is to train the most underutilized competitive edge in sports, and that's the mind. Right, transforming, elevating, elevating the well-being of everyone in the game. So players, parents, and coaches. But for me, most people don't retire on their own terms, and I certainly didn't. So looking back, it's a lot of coulda, shoulda, wouldas. Um, when I was in Colorado, I was there for three years. Our coach had a relationship with a sports psychologist, and I went once because we had one free session. But I didn't go back because I had to pay for it. And so, no joke, not just because I have a business that focuses on this, but if I could go back in time, it would be the one investment that I made. Mm. Um, as, as a kid, I was total underdog, man, like walked onto Wake Forest. If you know anything about college sports, Wake Forest, especially men's soccer is top dog. Like they're the best of the best. And so I walked onto Wake because I grew up close to campus. And so, you know, as a kid, one of my greatest assets was my mental toughness. But obviously the higher level you go, the, the margin, um, um, your margin of, of, of skill decreases, right? So you're really looking for that quarter percent, for the half percent, for that one percent. And I don't know, I don't, I don't have it all figured out, right? But I, I know somewhere along the way, I lost belief in myself. And my mindset, I feel like, became my greatest detriment. No joke. Like, uh, I played in every game I dressed for, right? If I didn't start, I was, I was coming off the bench. And so, but that was really hard for me. Like, I wanted to start every single game. And so that alone led me to some very dark, dark places, you know, I mean, depression. Um, I'm a man who struggled with an eating disorder because I'm looking to gain any sort of edge that I could. I mean, even some suicide ideation, man, I really was just so wrapped up in, man, I'm not, I'm not achieving what I wanted to achieve. And so uh, look, it's hindsight's 2020. It's easy to look back in life and say, I, I could have, should have, would have done that. Right. The hard part is really trying to, to, to learn those lessons and to carry them on to the life that you're living today. Yeah. And one, I appreciate the share there. because I know that is tough and it's this catch 22 and a lot of it from outside looking in, it almost doesn't seem real because you're like, well, you needed such a belief in yourself to obviously walk on to a program like wake. So how could that ever go away? But we understand as athletes that the results that we get, good or bad, they're not permanent. They're just a, you know, they're feedback for that given moment. So yeah, you can extrapolate that to self-belief and self-confidence. Like there's probably been plenty of times where you felt really, really confident going to a game and just as many, if not more times where you're going into the game, like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, yeah, I hope this works out. When did that shift start to happen for you where it was more on this, like, Ooh, my mind's now working against me rather than working for me. Like it had for so long. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I don't think in the, in the moment I was able to um, acknowledge it and to, I wasn't aware of it. Like I knew what was going on, but I, I didn't have the the foresight, the maturity, the, 
awareness to say, hey, like instead of going to reserve gangs game saying I'm Wells and I'm way better than this, why the heck are they playing me? And yeah. then having a crappy attitude, like what I should have done and what I did, you know, previously in my life was hey, this is an opportunity for me to get better, right? Focus on the process and not the outcome so that actually I'm giving myself a better chance to start every game, right? And taking advantage of those things. One of my favorite quotes in life, Corey, is uh, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you deal with it. And so again, I don't have it all figured out. A part of it for me is still trying to uh, assess kind of you know, what went wrong and maybe I'll never have it all completely figured out. Right. But I do know that our thoughts are so powerful, man. The things we think, um, the things we, we take in, right. Whether it's through our ears or our eyes. Um, you know, one of the, one of my other favorite sayings is we're all telling a story and the greatest story we're telling is the one that we're telling ourselves. Mm. And so I just, you know, it was, a, it was, I began to tell myself a negative story. I began to, to, uh, changed the way I played, right? I played scared. I played uh, afraid to fail. And I focused on like not giving the ball away or not failing, which, you know, where focus goes, energy flows. And, or, you know, that saying might be backwards, Tony Robbins saying, but um, I, you know, I don't know, man. I mean, I think it's, um, it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't think there ever is like, it's tough to look back and say like, it was this moment in time. I think it is this sh ever shifting scale. And the better we understand that, the more we can understand like, oh, okay, cool. Like just because today I don't feel confident doesn't mean I can't do something to shift the scale and change yeah. momentum now into my favor rather than, you know, continue to slide down the slump. I think it also too, it's, it's easy to sit here and be like, yeah, just like fall in love with the process. Like it's all about yeah. the process, the journey. Like it's not about the destination. How have you now, as you're building your business, gotten more okay with the journey and the building it? Because I think coming off of a, you know, high level performing career of, I mean, you played nine years professionally. That's, definitely longer than most. Yeah. How have you come off with like, all right, I was at the highest of highs. Now I'm almost, I'm be a beginner again. I'm starting this business and I have huge visions for it and aspirations, but the reality is it's not there yet. How are you falling in love with the journey of building that? Yeah. So I'm going to go back to your previous question um, a little bit is I was a, like I worked real hard, right? And everybody works hard. But um, one of my, one of the things I recognized at a young age was like, one of the easiest ways to separate yourself from the other person is to be fitter than they were. So that's what I did. I got super fit. And I was able to grind through, like through college, I was able to just grind. If things weren't going my way, I would just work harder and I would get in shape and I would want it more, right? And if you watched me play soccer, you'd see that like I grew up playing ice hockey too. And there's a lot of ice hockey in my soccer game. Um, but like, I just wanted, I was a competitor, but when I got to the pro level, I couldn't do that anymore, which is what I believe kind of led me to the eating disorder. Cause it was like, okay, I'm the fittest person on the team. I'm winning the beep test. What else do I have to do to get, to get playing? Right. But I wasn't addressing the real issue, right. Which was the mind. So basically what I was doing is just 
driving myself into a deeper hole, burning myself out more, right? Um, and I was so fit, I was almost unfit, right? Like I should have been a little bit heavier in weight and I should have eaten more food and those sorts of things. But um, until I dressed the heart, my heart and my mind, like I wasn't going to get any better, right? And so the analogy I like to use is like I was a Porsche, like on the outside, man, just fast and fit. But upstairs, I was like a Ford Pinto. Like I was slow and uh, it, it was ugly, man. It was dirty and I needed to address those things and I didn't do that. And so, uh, you know, this leads into your question that you just asked me is that, I, again, I don't have it all figured out. Like it is a daily battle. Man. And oftentimes we go into these things, you get on these podcasts and it's like, man, life is easy and great and good. I'm starting a business and it is freaking hard. Life is freaking hard. So I've been, drugs and alcohol is a big part of my story, man. Like when I was 16 years old, I was literally going to end up in jail or dead because of drugs and alcohol and decisions I was making. And um, so I've been in counseling since I was 14 years old. So I'm okay. Like I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say, man, I am a jacked up individual. Like you talk about issues. I got them, man. A lot of them. But I think that there's, there's authenticity and vulnerability is a superpower, right? Mm -hmm. Because if I get on this show and I say, yeah, I want an MLS cup. I shook Obama's hand. I was drafted fifth overall in the first round of 2007 MLS super draft. Like it's, it's like, that's cool. It's really, really cool. But um, we relate with, we relate more to our weaknesses with each other than we do our strengths. So um, man, I, I, it's a battle every day. And this is a long winded answer to your question, but like, it's some days suck, man. And like starting a business is extremely hard. As you know, yes. my wife, and I think I've shared this story with you. My wife owns a marketing agency in town and she's run it for the past 10 years. And I've literally watched her stood alongside her and, and, and thought, why is she complaining? That is so easy. <laughs> oh my God. You know, I'm like one of those guys that's like so dumb. He doesn't know he's going to succeed because he doesn't know how hard it is. Um, it's, it's freaking hard, man. Life is hard and you just do the best you can. It's like, it's like the, the me of the world watching professional soccer or watching football. And I'm like, that's just so easy. Like, why doesn't he just kick it this way? Like, why doesn't he <laughs> Just pass it to that guy who's open. Yeah, and everybody. Then you, right? then you put yourself in those actual shoes, and you're like, "Oh, I understand it now." There's a thousand, you know, ten thousand, fifteen thousand people, or what? However large the stadium is, yeah. all eyes are on them. There's all these other variables going on. Business is no different. You're in it now, and you're like, "Oh, yeah, this is like a constant." Literally, I'm just in constant decision making mode and constant distraction management mode of like, there's going to be so many things that pop yeah. up that are going to try to steal my energy to go say yes to this or go do this, or I don't know, not do the work that we, we know that we need to do. I think that's one of the beauties of what sports can teach us, right? Is for so long, we had this filter of, well, I want to get better. So I'm going to make the right decisions to get better. And it was easy when you had, well, I just need to get more physically fit. I need to show up on game day. It's easier to say no to going out to this party or going out to this. You also highlighted too, what I like to talk about is the dark side of the athletic mindset. Drugs and alcohol falls into that category because we're, I don't know about you, I struggle to take anything less than 100%. Like if I'm doing anything, I got to be the best at it. 
Yeah. And for a while that meant if I'm going to do, if I'm going to party, I'm going to be the best partier at that. And that led to its own host of problems. You know what I mean? Is that yeah. kind of what was your mentality there as well? Um, I think so. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into it there. I think uh, yeah. child, um, I, you know, I was always kind of a mischievous kid just getting into things and my best friend had older siblings and they introduced us to things. And I, I you know, I think a lot of it was just wanting to fit in man. like mm. you know, be a part of, and I, that's why I love what you do. Like you're creating a community, you're creating a tribe, right? Of people. And that's how we were created. We were created for community. And so in the work that I do with like mental training and resilience, it's often always looked at from an individual perspective. But when I think of change, I think of community. And that's such an underestimated and underlooked at part of resilience, right? It's like, we need each other. We are, there's no such thing as a self-made man. It is, it is, it is wrong, right? Like, um, so to go back to your question, it's, I think it was a lot of things just wanting to fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, you know, like, I'm a, I'm a slow learner. I, I'm, I'm a rebellious kid. Like, don't tell me what to do. I don't like to be told what to do. Um, I had a problem with authority as a kid, you know, so to psychoanalyze it, I, again, going back to, I'm a, I'm a screwed up individual, but yeah, I, you know, I do. I mean, like after this podcast, my, my hope and my prayer is that I don't psychoanalyze the conversation and just get brought down with the stupid things I said. Right. Or, or man, you should have said this. You should have done that. I wonder what kind of impression you left with him, right? Like yeah. no one's listening to you. Um, and so, I mean, you kind of brought up a, a, a point in terms of like a lot of times it's the meaning that we subscribe to things, right? And so I think about game film. Like here's a great analogy, right? One of the things I wish I did as a pro athlete was watch more game film. But I didn't do it because I didn't really like to watch myself play. I didn't want to watch myself screw up. But oftentimes... Um, life or the way that I experience it or the way that I play a game, experience the game is very different from an outsider perspective, right? Or from game film. And so again, we need to like uh, ascribe the right meanings to things, right? When I retired, I really struggled, man. And I look back at my career being like, my career sucked. My career sucked. I didn't, I didn't achieve the things I want to achieve. And I played for nine years. Like there's something wrong there, right? And so it's, it's been, again, going back to the process has been a, a journey and there's still, still, I just went on a huge squirrel all over the place, man. But I don't know if you can connect those dots. Yeah. Well, a, a couple of things come to mind. First of your point of community. I think we know it from sport, right? We've probably been in teams where the team culture is, is not great. It's not yeah. what it it should be to lend itself to championship culture. And you see how that rubs off on your performance and your mentality in the day-to-day. And then on the vice versa, you see the power of, well, if I surround myself with a winning culture or championship culture, it doesn't matter if I'm having like a mentally off day, the rest of the community, I can lean on them and they, they rise me to that occasion. And they, they raise our, our vibe, our vibration, our state, whatever you yeah. want to call it. So it's, I don't know about you, what I've loved about the journey post-sport is that I, I get to be very intentional with who I'm selecting to be in my team and who's on my 
life, who are my life teammates, as I like to say, because now I've realized like, oh, if I'm running with these cats that are always doing the, you know, bottomless brunch on Saturday and Sunday, I'm hating my life until Wednesday next week. And I'm just looking forward to be doing that again. It's like, all right, that's immediate satisfaction, but what's giving me this long-term fulfillment piece? And it was no different than in sport when my time at Delaware, there's times where it was like, let's just get drunk on Saturday night and forget about the meat that we just did. And it's like, is that the best coping mechanism? Probably not. Is that the best culture? Definitely not. You know, and it showed in our overall results, um, which it sounds very similar in some senses to, to your story. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I'm a huge, I believe we were created for a relationship. And oftentimes we let things get in the way. Like when I look back on my career now, and when I'm in a good mental space, like, yes, I wish I started more. I wish I had more awards. Um, But really, like my biggest regret is uh, not plugging uh, into my relationships more, like not spending more time with my teammates, right? Like, I literally wanted the guy in front of me to break his back so I could play like not really, but kind of right. Like that's how driven I was like. um, And so there were times where I I, I pulled apart, you know, I I isolated myself and I didn't want to be around the team. And a little bit, I think that's a coping mechanism, right? I just didn't want to be around it. I didn't want to face it. Um, But, but those are the things that last man, like on my deathbed, I'm not going to want to see my MLS cup ring. Like I'm going to want to see people. Right. And so like, that's what I'm trying, that's what I tell kids all the time is like, you can still have that drive to be the best, right. And still encourage your teammate and love them well and support them. And uh, I I still, man, it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's a tough understanding that those can exist in the same space, you know, and it's, it's a unique challenge that I think each of us learn it a little bit differently, but that it's funny you went there with it because that was the other piece that I wanted to kind of touch on was how you didn't watch film. And a lot of times I think when as athletes or just as people, like we don't like to relive what went wrong because there's pain there. Yeah. To your point earlier, now you're using pain to curate a passion and purpose and paying it forward. So, and in a lack of a better sense, like the film was an opportunity for you to go back into that pain of maybe I didn't play the best game, but how can we extrapolate our emotion from that and just view that feedback as it's just neutral. It's just, it's letting us know, like that's the next logical step here, but we don't see that next logical step. If we don't spend time getting still and sit in that pain for a second and feel like what we need to feel much like you need to feel that struggle a little bit in business because without, without struggle, you know, it, there's no skill development. If things were just handed to us our whole life, we're not actually developing any skills and we can go into that whole tangent of how kids nowadays aren't being allowed to struggle enough. We're so quick to just be like, Oh, Hey, here's this easy solution. Uh, How did you shift into getting okay with, uh, it's okay to struggle. Like I'm going to, it's going to actually be beneficial to me. Yeah. I mean, you know, 
I, uh, feedback is, is definitely important. And I tell you what, as a parent, it is, it is hard to see your kids struggle. Yeah. And, uh, it's, but, but you know, it's, and so you're learning, it's a journey and I'm trying to let them struggle and, and fight through it because really the goal is for them to be great adults, right? Not just great kids, but to learn things. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I think I, that's something that I'm still learning. Um, I just know that as a pro, there was a time there were mental blocks. I didn't have the tools or the strategies I, I needed in order to successfully overcome my struggles, right? Like, it's almost like I got into a hole. I got into a spiral that I couldn't really come out of. Mm. A lot of it for me is, uh, and, and I know, I'm sure you talk about this a lot was identity. Like it was all of me, man. It was, there was nothing outside of Wells Thompson, the soccer player. And I just don't think that's healthy. Um, it's, I don't think it's healthy at all. And, and so part of it for me is like, you don't know what you don't know. I didn't know that my identity was firmly in, you know, implanted in soccer, but when I retired, I, I knew, and yeah. I went to hell right? Like literally it sucked and I still struggle some days. Um, but I know that I had to go through that to, to get healthier, right? I had to go through the crap and to get healthier. And so, um, yeah, I forget your original question, but, um, I mean, going on the identity piece, I think what is huge there is in a lot of ways for you, soccer was this playground that allowed you to discover yourself and allowed you to discover that identity in the first place it allowed you to discover like oh i'm someone who is driven and it gave, me everything. Uh-huh. It gave me everything exactly so then when it's tough to navigate that self-exploration and not get attached and not get so tied into well my worth is completely determined by my results on the pitch so that then when we transition out that's why that struggle is so hard for a lot of us is that was the thing that allowed us to discover ourselves so how the heck are we supposed to define ourselves when we don't have the same thing the same tool that we were using all this time now we just switch it's like you drive a new car the first few times that you're driving that new car you're like what this just feels so off like i miss my baby and if you drove a car for 20 plus years of your life it's going to be a much harder transition into something new. Yeah. You know, especially if it quote unquote, it was a downgrade from the car you were driving at that point, you know? Um, But yeah, it's, it's a crazy thing. How have you, that's why I love what you're doing with soccer resilience is because I think we have these kind of conversations when we're in it, when we're going through those developmental years, it's way easier than to separate the sense of self and the self-worth from what I do for a living. And I talk about that a lot of what we do for a living doesn't define us, but it, it 100% should be an expression of who we are. And it's, it's really tough to mentally shift to that space and actually get okay with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. My tendency, and it just revealed like my kind of my thought patterns of soccer is often I get so caught in the struggles of soccer, mm. right? But literally, soccer gave me everything. Like, it really did, man. Like, it got me out of trouble. Like, people liked me because I was good. Um, it took me all over the world, 
it, 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 it let me meet people from all, I mean, like literally it's, it was, it's, I don't know where I'd be without soccer, I'm just, but I don't ever focus on that. Yeah. Like, really, I just, I, I look back and I focus on the, on the negative. And uh, you know, what's, what I've been learning is that your, your brain's malleable, like it, it grows and uh, you can change it. Right. Just like you, your body, right. You work it out, it gets bigger um and so your brain's the same way and so focus like what you focus on is where you're going to go and so my tendency i mean i'm 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 kind of understanding this as i'm having a conversation with you is to always look back on soccer talk about the struggle the struggle the struggle there were so many many good things um but and and i don't know where it comes from because i had the greatest parents in the world man they loved me regardless of how good or how bad i was i had so many good people in my life i just don't know where it came from maybe it was just the um, the drive to, to, to compete and be the best. And, um, you know, I mean, I've played soccer from four to 31 and everywhere I went, I was Wells Thompson soccer player, but one day you just wake up and you're not that guy anymore. And you're like, dang, what do I do now? Right. And so you're like, Oh, I should have listened to all those athletes that came to school and were like, study your books, you know? <laughs> Cause I was like, why? I just want to play soccer. <laughs> um, and it's, it, you know, society has it so backward, like pro athlete, it is, they're awesome pro athletes, but to me, they're not like, they can be heroes, but what they do on the field or the court doesn't make them a hero. Mm-hmm. It's what they do off, right? Like teachers are heroes. Single moms are heroes. People that fight for our country are heroes, right? Like all I did was kick a ball for a living. You, you know, you know what I mean? Um, Which is yeah. like, it's so gnarly to think like, that's a job. <laughs> when you boil it when you boil it down to it and then you can when you have that like very very rudimentary understanding of like you got paid to kick a ball around it's hard not to smile and be like dang i'm so freaking lucky that that was the path that i was able to do for you know a certain yeah certain amount of time but you know to your point there it's like understanding why it is your thought patterns always go towards the struggle versus going towards the highlights then it's really just how the brain is trained over time. It's our neural pathways get formed like super highways. So if over time we are, you know, we have a new thought and attach an emotion to it. It starts as a gravel road and then experiences reinforce that over and over and over again to the point where then it becomes a eight lane mega highway. So when we talk about, that's why change is so hard for people, especially neurological mindset change, because we have to intentionally put a roadblock there when we under, when we catch ourselves going that old thought pattern, that old way of thinking and make a conscious choice to redirect traffic towards the good. And that's, again, another one of those things that's easier said than done. The longer we've been doing thinking one way, it's going to be taking a lot of effort, time, and energy to go shift the other way. But mindfulness is is a great tool to like start that journey. Have you done mindfulness training? I know that means something different to everyone probably listening to this, but have you undergone your own mindfulness or spiritual journey over the past few years here? Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, it's why gratitude is so important. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's when you when you focus on the things you're grateful for, it, it makes you feel better. Like I feel better right now because it just said like all the good things that soccer gave me. No joke. Like yeah. as silly as it might sound, like 
I actually do kind of feel better. And you start to realize that I'm like, man, there's a lot of good things. And so, um, yeah, man, I mean, I, I think we're spiritual beings and we're all trying to figure that out, but yes, I mean, you know, I thought mental training, mindfulness, you know, anything having to do with the mind and performance, um, was like kind of just pie in the sky. Mm-hmm. Like let's sit around and hum and burn incense and listen to melodic music. And, uh, you know, in, in, in a really hot place, I don't know, yeah. um, but there's tangible things that you can do. And so learning the science behind this and, and, and practicing it myself and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely something that, that I'm into. I mean, when, when my kids are freaking out, I've got three young kids under seven, three boys and our house is loud. I'm breathing, man. <sighs> through the nose, you know, deep belly breaths and just trying to calm my, myself down, my, my brain down, trying not to flip out. Yeah. Right. Because I'm trying to teach my kids that that's not the way you handle it as well. And so I was an expert at parenting before I had kids and now I am an idiot. I am just so thankful they are alive at the end of the day. And um, yeah, so yeah, it's definitely something I've undergone. Oh, I always joked. I was, I coached for swimming for about eight years and I always joked with the parents. They were like, so does this make you want to have kids? And I go, absolutely not. Yeah. I'm so grateful that I could rent your kids for the hour practice. And they're so much fun. They're great, but I'm going to return them every single time. Like you get them back and yeah. <laughs> you can deal with them. Um, so I definitely hear that. And I think to, to your point, it's, it's tough for achievers because I think that's the overall category that athletes really fall under achievers, especially to see the value in slowing down because slowing down isn't sexy. It's quite counterintuitive to what we're raised in sport to do your point earlier. It's like, well, if I want to get better, I'm just going to muscle through. I'm going to need to just work harder, sweat more, you know, eat less, you know, taking things to the extreme but it's like, well, what if you just took a second to like recharge and pause and reflect and then, you know, use recovery as a weapon and as a tool rather than it just being this fluffy thing. So I don't know how, I don't know what the question is here. I don't know how we yeah. actually make recovery and mindfulness sexy, but I'm, I'm with you. Let's, let's make that happen. <laughs> Yeah. I wonder if you've fallen into or struggled with this, you know, is I've noticed the same tendencies I had as a pro as a business owner now. Yeah. And it's, it's, I just want to achieve. It's not fast enough. It's not good enough. It's not quick enough. And so really trying to lead my team. And um, I mean, you know, we're going through a, a global pandemic, right? It's never, never happened before. Right. And so it's just so easy to lose focus of, Hey man, what's important in life? Right. Um, and, and yeah, that just hits home for me, man, is that you're right. It's about slowing down and, and no, who likes to do that, man? Everybody wants to go fast. So exactly. I have um, the cup, the coffee mug that I've been drinking out of the whole time we've been recording. Uh, I had made uh, for myself really, but also the, the group coaching that I run and it just says it's a reminder to a reminder. It's okay to slow down. Enjoy what is right in front of you. Yeah. And I was like, if I can drink from something like this every single morning, that's the perfect reminder that, all right, yes, I'm not where I want to be, 
but I can enjoy the moment that we're right here. And I think that's the balance and the beauty of being a, a startup entrepreneur, like as you're experiencing as well. And that's something that we can all hopefully take away from today is like, it's okay to express gratitude for where you're at and not be satisfied for where you're at. Like, yeah. Those feelings are validated and they can coexist in that same space. But you need to be able to express that gratitude to your point earlier. Of, I mean, you noticed immediately what that did to your biochemistry and how you felt, right? When you said it. Yeah. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing. It's just so freaking simple, but we forget about it a lot. Yeah. I think how you make it sexy too is like, I think that we all had this kind of idea in our head of what mindfulness looked like. Even the word is like kind of mindfulness, yeah. you know, and, and for maybe for athletes, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's strength that's pushing through and it's like, well, that's weird. Like, or, or it has to, or we think it has to look a certain way, you know, yeah. and what I've realized is it doesn't. And my, my prayer and kind of my self-talk going into things like this with you, Corey, is, be yourself Wells, right? Like I want you to see me in a way that like, you're really impressed, yeah. right? Like, I just want you to walk away and be like, man, that guy's awesome. He's great. He's fun. He's smart. He's whatever. And uh, I really think the true way to do that is just to be who you are, to be who God created you to be. And, uh, and that's hard, man. Just like everything in life. One of my, one of my pet peeves is people that say, well, it's easier said than done, you know? And it's like, everything's easier said than done. Please don't ever say that to me again. Uh, my best friend says it to me all the time, but I'm like, dude, we're going to fight. I mean, that's yeah. that to you all the time now. Better watch out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's really, it's, it's, it's a journey, man. And mindfulness is a journey. It's figuring out what works for you. And my mindfulness, like you said, probably looks different from yours and different from the guy walking down the street. I think that's the, the beauty of it, but also makes it so hard to conceptualize like what mindfulness or mindset work really is, is because it is unique to everyone. And it really starts with releasing this need for it to have to look a certain way. Like, yes, there are ways that it's worked before, just like there was ways to reach the pro level that you reached that worked before. But what worked for, I don't know, Messi versus you totally different, right? But you were still able to get to a certain level, uh, similar destination, so to speak, even though your journeys are totally different ones. And I think that's the beauty, instead of falling into this, it needs to be the exact same as the person next to me. Why don't we start celebrating the differences because the differences are gonna be, to your point, what makes us you. Like that's, yeah. that's such an authentic superpower that we overlook. We, we are so quick to say, well, he's 135 and I'm 133. Like he's going to be, you know, slightly stronger than me or what. It's so easy to fall into that comparison trap. But if we can shift into a place of constantly just being like, man, like I, I love the way that I am and the way that I show up and the value add that I have, we're going to be perfect. It's like, to your point, like releasing that need to come off as I'm going to list all my MLS accomplishments and everything that I've done in my life. Yeah. It came up organically and I freaking loved it. It's the beauty <laughs> of it. You know what I mean? It's because um, I'm so well trained to find places to slide it in. Seriously. <laughs> it's like, I got to tell this guy, he knows. you know, he's got to know. Yeah. Now it's like, you're looked at very differently. Like 
if you're a pro athlete versus a former pro athlete, you know, like now yeah. it's like, Hey, that's cool, man. What do you want to get for lunch? You know, it's kind of <laughs> brushed under the rug, which is yeah. totally fine, man. Cause you know, yeah, it's not it's, about me. Anyway. That's a, that's a good point. It's tough when it's like no longer, Oh, like I want to talk to this guy cause he's in it, you know, or I want to be around him cause he's yeah. in it. Now it's like, okay, cool. Like he's, he's done his thing. Like, all right, who's, the, who's the next person. And that's such a, a challenge to the, the athlete and a disservice to the athlete or really just the human being and all of us. Right. When you look at the, uh, the business side of sports where it's like, all right, end of your nine year career. Like there's now a hundred other people that are more than happily going to take your place on any of the teams that you played on or, for those college swimmers, like you get, or college athletes, you get to the end of your four years, like, all right, cool. Like they're already looking at that next guy in, in the recruiting class to replace you. Yeah. It's it's a challenge to find now validation in life post-sport when you don't have that external feedback of fans. And to your point, I, I love how you've surrounded yourself with just good people, you know, to help fuel that. Yeah. Not that we're actively seeking it out, but you know, it, it definitely makes us feel a little bit better when we got some people around us that are like, Hey, you're crushing it. You're doing a good job. And you're like, yeah. man, my efforts are validated. That's all I freaking want in this world. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, those people that you meet and, and they don't tell you the full story about themselves mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh, that's a really nice guy. And then you, you leave the, the meeting uh, and you hear that he's like, stud right maybe he was a pro athlete or maybe he was uh you know runs a a billion dollar business and you're like like how much do you admire that guy for not feeling the need to tell you all the good things he's done you know what i mean i'm like that is awesome like he can just be who who he is he doesn't need to have that adulation i think that that's a that's a lot of it for me is i want people to like Oh, Wells, you're great. Or, you know, you're a pro. And um, it's not like that in, in life after sports. So, yeah, you almost have to just let life unfold for you and surrender to that rather than trying to go and enforce. And I mean, no one likes to be read their resume, you know. Yeah. I, like, I wouldn't have invited you on the show if you were like, here's my media kit of all my accomplishments i've been like okay cool like but i think because that wasn't the approach and how we originally connected like it's so much more of an impactful and powerful conversation you know yeah well i I think as people we all have intrinsic value and so i would like to say that if i met two people and and one of them was a janitor and the other one was a a, you know owner of a billion dollar business that i would treat them the same yeah you know I think that our tendency, even mine, is to say, wow, he's super successful. Let me love him really well, right? As opposed to like, hey, man, this, I mean, you know, do that's that's a hero, right? Someone going being a janitor for 30 years and going day in and day out and doing his job with dignity and character and, and excellence, like, oh, man, you talk about mindset, like, oh, anyway. Yeah. And I think, but I mean, to your point of like, both of them have value because both of them have a unique experience. We all have 
experience that is totally unique to us. That's what I love about this podcasting platform is it's an opportunity for people other than myself to come on and share their experience so that those listening in can feel, oh my gosh, all right. Like that's, that's really cool. Like I resonate with Wells story or whatever it may be. And they leave, my hope is that they leave these conversations feeling like their experience is validated and that they can take their own experience and go and do whatever it is that they want to do in life rather than sitting in this funk of like, yeah, I'm just like not special though. And I love your, your example of the janitor versus the billion dollar company owner. They both have value. Yeah. I think one of the hardest things that we all face as humans is, is loving who we are, mm. like really loving through, through, through our mess. And, um, but I think you really fully, I mean, I struggle with it. It's a daily basis, man. My, I, my negative critic is always going and I'm not saying, Hey, Wells, you're actually, uh, you know, like you, you're doing this well, or like, you're really good at this. It's like, you suck at this, you suck at this. And you know, yeah. you're always yourself down. So I think, I think it's important. Like, anyone that's listened to this one thing I always try to do is I just believe that like um, you know, like uh, we need to share and be vulnerable and, and, and put it out there and just continue to encourage each other in the process. Right. And that's hard to do because oftentimes we don't love who we are or what we do and, and those sorts of things. So. Yeah. And last point, as far as like athlete background, I feel like to your point, like you're realizing there's strength in the vulnerability and that's what I love about you. But as athletes, we're raised our whole lives to not show our cards and not show any vulnerability because we are taught that that's going to be a weakness that's going to be used against us. Like you probably would never in a million years turn to, you know, someone whose spot you're also competing with and be like, hey, like, I'm not okay, like mentally, like I'm struggling with this, this and this, and this is going on in my life because, you know, like your thoughts are going to go towards, well, they're going to use that against me. But what if we, I think that's cool to see this conscious shift as a society over the past year, especially that like we start to see less of the evil in people. And now we're, we're being met with, I understand that, you know what I mean? And there's, there's such freedom in letting down that burden, realizing you're not alone in that. Yeah. I think that's a, a, a huge um, block or barrier for elite athletes is you know, who can I open up to? Who can I talk to? Right? Like, I mean, your, your best friends usually are generally your teammates and that can be a difficult conversation. Although they're your teammates, they're really your competitors that you're competing with day in and day out. And so that makes the dynamics a little tricky. Yeah. Especially the higher level you get at, you're, you're taught to be skeptical of everyone that reaches out to you offering a hand. Cause you're like, well, is this going to ruin my NCAA eligibility? Is this going to, you know, are they going to, we hear stories all the time of like financial advisors taking like wrong, wrongfully investing money or like taking advantage of whatever. So it's, it's tough. It's like, how can we learn how to trust? I think that's an ever growing balance as well. I want to ask you the fast five, which are five, one sentence, one word answers, kind of rapid fire here. The first one is what's your go-to podcast that you're jamming out to or listening to? Uh, lately it's been John Gordon. Nice. Good choice. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's great. a lot of, a lot of great ones out there. Um, and then the second one would be you, my brother. Yo, oh, yeah. Man. Yep. Uh-huh. 
Absolutely honored. Number two, what is a book that you've read in the past year? It's been really impactful for you. Uh, I just got done reading Donald, uh, a book that I've read in the past year has been impactful for me. Uh, man, anything about Mark Batterson. I like it. I actually have a rec a recommendation for you. If you haven't read the ruthless elimination of hurry, you would really enjoy it. I'm blanking on the author's name. Yeah. Uh, But for everyone out there that is struggling with that balance of, I want to be achieving more and like expressing gratitude for now. And how can we stop hurrying and actually get to where we want to go faster? It's a great book. Um, Number three is what is a quote that you live by? I know you gave us a couple throughout the show here. Yeah. To, to whom much is given, much is expected. I think it's Luke 1248. I love it. I love it. Number four is what is something that you can't live without? I can't live without. Yep. Um, so I'll tell you the first thought that came to mind was Thorlo socks. I love thick socks. Even in the summer, I'm wearing thick socks, even in bed. And then the like, the like responsible for like mature thought next was my wife. <laughs> we'll edit out the sock part for her. We'll just like send her a special episode where she, that's all she's hearing. <laughs> yeah. Last one is what's your one word focus at this point in time? Great question. Um, so um, I'm going to give you two because we actually do this as like, so I have a one word personally for myself and that's courage. Mm. So what that represents for me is courage to face my fears, to do the hard things, to love my wife well, to uh, keep priorities, priorities. Um, but we also have a family one word uh, and our family one word, which I give myself an F plus on for the year is patience. Yeah, it's right on our fridge over there, man. I don't know if you can see it but it's on the fridge and it says one family, one word patience. And so my son's like, when I'm, if I get upset, my son will be like, dad, our one word's patience. I'm like, stop using that against me. (laughs) It's about to say it's dangerous when you're raising them in a conscious household. It sounds like. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, Another easier said than done word, right? (laughs) Well, Wells, I want to just first and foremost acknowledge you. Um, the the strength and the vulnerability in your story and what you shared today doesn't go unnoticed. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. And more importantly, I appreciate the work that you're doing in this world. And one, sharing your story, but also taking some action and helping make an impact in the youth level, I think is incredible. Absolutely is. Where can those listening in keep up with you, keep up with Soccer Resilience, everything that you're doing out there in the world? Yeah, SoccerResilience.com. We're on all social media channels, but SoccerResilience.com is the, the best place to check us out. And back at you, brother. It's been a blessing. It was a joy. It gave me so much as well. God's using you in a mighty way, man. So uh, keep sharing your story and using your platform. I appreciate you, brother. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Being able to surrender and trust is a powerful trigger to be in more flow in our everyday life. Wells demonstrates that his trust and surrender to a higher power with his faith. What's one way that you can trust and surrender that you'll be taking care of this week? Remember, if you can change your mindset, you can change your life. One thought followed by one action at a time. I will see you all on Monday. 
as we look at ways to cultivate a deeper sense of discipline in our everyday life.